Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Subscribe to our podcasts wherever you like to listen by searching Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. After interviewing over 100 successful people, and I think it's 150 successful people now, I've noticed some reoccurring traits among many of my guests. Belief in a higher power, the heart of a teacher, and creativity because business is creative. My guest today is Mr. Charles Morgan, founder, chairman, and CEO from 1972 to 2008 of Axiom, the pioneering and leading database company headquartered in central Arkansas. This man seems to have lived five lifetimes in one. In the beginning, at just 17, he was a young, ambitious, and audacious fellow working for his entrepreneurial father. Later, he was a smart, innovative system engineer working for IBM. That is when I think he saw an opportunity and founded Axiom with a staff of 25 Over the next 35 years, Charles grew his baby to a publicly traded company with 7,000 employees globally and $1.5 billion in revenues. That's billion with a B. Whether you realize it or not, your life has probably changed because of the inventive work of Mr. Charles Morgan. In true entrepreneurial fashion, and after a tumultuous ending at at Axiom, Charles became interested in yet another technology company, First Orion, a phone privacy app being used today by T-Mobile and its 80 million customers. In addition, Charles Morgan is an author, I love this, race car driver, and has served on many tech boards. Today, he serves on the board of Anuvo, another publicly traded technology company headquartered in Little Rock, Arkansas. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the smart, ambitious, visionary, and risk taker and man who changed all our lives, Mr. Charles Morgan. Thank you. <laughs> He's that was a, that was a really uh, quite an introduction. I it, thank you very much. You're and, welcome. Uh, it's you all know, true. I, 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 I heard a little bit, figured out a little bit about you when uh, uh, before I accepted this gig here to come and do your show. But uh, as you do, I like dreamers, and I like to help people with their entrepreneurial dreams. Uh, but not just that. You know, I'm all about trying to enhance our economic future for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I guess the older you get, the more, believe it or not, you learn. And you've indicated that, that you learn a lot. Every time you do something, you learn a lot. And the the new business that I'm in right now is, I tell people this and go crazy, it's going to be bigger than Axiom. And it's uh, it's incredibly challenging and fun and exciting. Uh, but for me, it's it's about the people, the technology, developing strategies that I know are you know, going to be winning strategies and technologies. It'll be winning, winning technology. Because it's because it's about your phone, and everybody's yeah. got a phone. Our, our our current technology, literally, we're the only company in the world who's figured out how to ta- stop all these robocalls. You hear all this, ro- everybody gets robocalls. Mm-hmm. 
Well, if you get a T-Mobile phone, you you virtually get no robocalls. Well, that's I've, worth changing for right there. Yeah, I've gotten I I got actually got one yesterday. I was very upset. The first one in about ten days. Uh, but it, isn't the government mm. about to make legislation to stop robocalls? Oh, that's a great idea, Carrie. Are you telling the crooks that you're going to pass a law to tell them to quit being crooks? So you're not concerned. <laughs> I didn't say that. Was that was a brilliant idea. I girl. love Charles Morgan. He just tells it like it is. He's the most honest, open guy I've ever I've ever read about. So <clears> you <throat> you you don't think that's going to be a threat to your software that you're making because it's well, never going to happen. Well, our software is not only it's not just an app. It it is an enormous amount of technology and data. Uh, we have 50 computers running inside T-Mobile's network. Uh, we have a 500 server footprint running in Amazon, uh, and we have uh, numerous technologies uh, to be able to figure out who these bad guys are. We look at every one of T-Mobile's phone calls, examine everything about it, all the history that we can figure out about that phone number, all the characteristics of that SIP message, that phone, that initial message coming in. Hey, if I got a message from this number. I want to talk to this number. I figure out everything I know about that from number. It could be spoofed, so the number may be false. But a lot of the other data associated with that call gives me a clue. We call it call printing. We call print. And you do this in milliseconds. <clears throat> microseconds. Microseconds. It's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Really you is. know, you have a, <clears throat> just looking at you now, I've just noticed you have a big head. So like a big brain in there? <laughs> what do we, we don't know what to think about that. Where's she going with this? <laughs> I mean, only you could figure that out. I did have trouble finding a helmet big enough. <laughs> so I interviewed this, just to get off subject, I interviewed this brain surgeon, Steve yeah. Cathy, Dr. Steve Cathy, and he said somebody, people with big heads uh, have big brains, maybe, and that they, well, actually, he said people with big heads don't get Alzheimer's, but all right, that's I'm I'm way off the subject. Uh, we could do a whole topic on that because it's very interesting. That it is, is interesting, interesting. but you interesting. do you are so smart. Only you could figure that out. Let's start at the beginning. You're 17, and we're going to come back around to your to yeah. your to your business. You're 17. Your father's an entrepreneur. Yeah, and you're already ambitious because at 17 you go to new york city and make a presentation to some big dogs you have no and no. well it's 17 you know everybody i just we we're building a new house we just bought anderson windows for it and the reason i was going to new york was to stop in philadelphia to go to the anderson window factory when you were 17 when i was 17 with my 15 year old brother and we took a two-ton bob truck all the way to philadelphia and of course with the I, windows I, in the back I, well on the way back yes no i mean okay now we went up picked up a load of windows oh you but, picked them up uh the reason i was going uh up there my father uh decided that i needed to go to some plays in new york so he said i want you to drive the truck to philadelphia get on the train and go to new york and i will book uh, a, a number of plays for you to see over a two-day period you know, if you do it right, you can see a matinee and a night show and a next day matinee, and then you can get back on the train, go back to Philadelphia, get the truck, drive back to Fort Smith, Arkansas, which I did <clears throat> with my 15-year-old brother driving part of the time and 
you know, that truck obviously were both illegal in this day and time to drive a truck like that. So, and but didn't you sell? Or you did something very unusual for a person your age. Well, you put together a deal at seventeen. Well, I, the, the 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 deal that that uh, you know you're talking about, I did I did you know several things in you know my career there. But the deal you're talking about in New York is the deal was I had figured out how to redesign uh, the mullion process for Anderson windows that I had just dreamed up, and my father thought it was really cool, and he called president of Anderson Windows back there, this little big guy in, in Fort Smith, and so you got to see what my son's come up with. I'm going to send him up there. And he had this whole executive team and engineering staff. I had 12 people, and I'm sitting there with a 17-year-old kid with 12 senior engineers and executives, a pretty big company, and I'm telling them how to better make their windows. And I thought, this is very strange. But they listened to it, and they said, that's a wonderful idea. I have no idea if they did it. But I've invented several things along the way, which are just kind of fun. You know, you talked about dreaming. Mm -hmm. You look at something, and you say, you know, is there a better way to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and you you think about it a while, and you may sleep on it. You say, hey, there's a better way to do that. I know what it is. Did you go to college? I went to, I got an engineering degree from the university, yeah. What did you think you were going to do? Oh, I was going to be a race car driver. Wow. <laughs> That's why I go. So did you get an engineering degree so you could build the race car? No, I actually got an engineering degree uh, so I could get a really good high-paying job so I could afford to you know, to be a race car driver. Because so it's I, an expensive hobby? Uh, it's insanely expensive. So anyhow. What happened to that career? Well, I, I, it was, I had a pretty successful racing career, actually. Tell I, me. Well, I... Uh, you know Paul Newman? I've raced against Paul a number of times. Uh, I knew Paul Newman, actually, as a race car driver. He's a really great guy. Uh, I walked into the Hollywood uh, Beverly Hills Hotel one time, and he had, I just watched him drive an incredible race that day, and I was racing the next day. And Paul came in the lobby. He was so drunk he couldn't stand up. And Paul <laughs> was known to like Budweiser. And, but he was he he was friendly and and he knew he was kind of drunk and he was kind of laughing at himself you know <laughs> and we rode the elevator up together but you know even that day he, this was uh, when he was you know probably in his late fifties early sixties and he drove a professional race that I couldn't believe how well he did against some top world class professionals and he was driving a car for Nissan and. He was a very talented race car driver and really a nice guy. Truly nice. Are you still racing? No, I drove my last uh, race in 2011, last professional race. But I am now blind and old uh, and, you don't and look too blind. fat. But, uh, you know, old is old and blind is the biggest problem, you know. So, But I, I had a real successful, I won a lot of races. Did you ever have a wreck? Uh, yeah, one reason I'm blind is I hit the wall at Watkins Glen at about 150, and I messed my eyes up. So That's and, all you messed up? Yeah, in that case, I did. I didn't actually have any serious uh, physical injuries other than that. I had a broken rib once and, you know, busted a hand one time. So You but, go to NASCAR? Uh, I actually owned a NASCAR team at one time, <clears throat> a truck team. I actually drove a NASCAR race one time. Finished it on the lead lap. Good for you. That doesn't mean anything, but. It, uh, 
So you got out of college and you went to work for IBM as a systems Correct. engineer. Yeah. And I, uh, I really uh, knew nothing about software programming or computers when I went there. Uh, but I learned a lot at IBM. Uh, learned that it's all about people. The people are the difference. IBM are really good people. And it is a lesson that I, I learned uh, during my career at IBM. The second thing I learned is you have to train people. You have to train people. IBM in those days had the training class in envy of the world, which is a lesson that I've carried with me forever. And it's one of my personal keys to success is if you have a successful company, particularly in technology, you've got to have world-class training programs, which we are doing even our little company now. I think that's something everybody puts off. They put it off. They put it off. I know I'm guilty of putting it off. And some other things I learned uh, at IBM is uh, you need to have a really good, strong culture in a company. Uh, Sometimes that culture, you know, has the bad side of it. And sometimes the good side, the IBM's uh, culture was good. You think there's no stronger culture company in the world than Walmart. Uh, and you can say there's some a lot of good things about that culture. It's created a very successful company, but it's also put an awful lot of stress on people. And it makes it not the, as we say in our world, we like to have a fun place to work. Mm-hmm. And if you produce, you get to keep your job. If you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walmart just sometimes it makes it not funny when you're doing your job which is not good do you fire people yourself i had to fire one about two weeks ago yeah you still fire people well yeah uh i you know if they don't do their job what's your least favorite thing to do well that would be that would that would hit it up uh at the top i like to sell i like to develop technology i like to talk to customers i like most everything about a job I like, but uh, if if you read my first book, which I know you're lazy and you hadn't done yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, if it was accessible, but you, I'd you, you know, the, the, the thing about business is I like to do business. I don't like to deal with rules and regulations and stuff that is just there to get in the way of getting success you know, in the world and you know i hate rules that are just there for a rule you say well that's a rule well wh- why well it's 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 real seven c we all have to follow that rule why i don't understand it's it's the rule what do we do with that rule well we, you, we get in people's way yeah. how are we going to use that rule? unfortunately well, unfortunately that's you know one of the big problems particularly like with the banking system today because the, you know, the regulators run the banks. The bank executives don't run the banks. They all tell you that. Right. Yeah, I don't run my bank. It's run by these, you know, regulators that are in here all What's the name of your bank? You have a bank? Uh, well, we've had, you know, several banks. We're dealing with some investment banks in New York. Oh, you're on the board of banks? Uh, I, well, I have been on the board of a bank before. But, uh, you know, we've, we we use, uh, you know, we use several Little Rock banks for when did the idea mm. to start a data gathering company come to mind? You're working at IBM. Well, you it, like didn't, it, there. it didn't. I, you know, I really had uh, a friend who was in in a, you know, in a direct marketing business, and the idea of doing direct marketing was not originally for the for 
commercial applications. It was originally for Democratic parties and politicians because the guy who funded it was a big Democrat, Charles Ward, the old Ward School Bus Company out of uh, Conway. And his whole idea was to help Democratic politicians and party organizations and fundraising and all that kind of stuff. And he uh, uh, had hired one of my best friends. So, you know, the, the business, I joined him at about the third year anniversary of that company. But the data gathering and all the data business evolved. We got out of all the political stuff within a few years because I have no interest in that. I don't have any interest at all in being a politician. Mm -hmm. I was asked once to run for Senate in the state of Arkansas, and I went, that would be, you know, you could pull all my toenails and fingernails out first. Talk Uh, about having no control and rules that don't do anything. It would be incredibly frustrating. Oh, oh, I know. I, I I, I was uh, I was a friend of David Pryor, who I thought was a fine man, uh, mm-hmm. senator from Arkansas. And I was up in Washington. He had me testify a time or two up there on friendly test- testimony about things. And I sat in, you know, just privately back in the back room chatting with him one day. And he said, Charles, I'm going to retire because this place is no fun anymore. Now, that would have been in like the early 80s probably. Well, he'd really not like it now. Oh, 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 he said, it's just not fun. You know, we all used to work together when I first joined the Senate. We, you know, we worked together to get stuff done. And we went out together. D- Democrats, Republicans really didn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. But he said, it's gotten just ugly up here. And it hadn't even really gotten ugly yet. No, it, it hadn't even started getting So ugly. how did you decide on Axiom? How well, did you do, how did you move from that with twenty five people to start? Well, Axiom? it just start, no, the, it 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 was all just a morphing. It's just a morphing. We got rid of the you know their business that we were originally doing, and I ended up buying all the stock. It's complicated. But I ended up owning the majority of stock, and then I gave away a lot of that stock. Did so, you just quit IBM and start this new one, or did well, you I, just I quit mo- IBM and went to work for this this company, this, this small company, company? Yes, that wasn't and, called Axiom. At the time. No, it was Demographics. That's uh, right. It was and, Demographics, and that was for the political party, so that and, they could and be all the Demographics. That kind of stuff, and we did commercial work too. So it was the business by uh, you know I joined in seventy uh, two, and by nineteen seventy nine. Uh, it was, you know, the wards were out of it, and I was in control of the business, had morphed it into what really became Axiom. Started writing software, it, more and more software. Yeah, we were doing That's your, cl- your love to write software, isn't it? What we were, yeah, I, yeah, d- developing software, which I still do, by the way. I still write some software, prototype software. But <clears throat> it, as, as a matter of fact, they're preparing some data for me to do some R&D on right now. I thought I was going to get it today, but I didn't. But, uh, You'll probably stay up all night playing no, with it. No, don't, I don't do that anymore. I used to. I'm, mm. I'm older now. I'm more sensible. I get up or, I get up at 4.30 or yeah. 5. Good for you. Yeah. Go. But, uh, you know, the business just morphed. You know, it's like we figured out we were working with a lot of data and a lot of people's data, and we said, well, why don't we try to build our own data assets so we don't have to use all our other crappy data and you know, it's just, you know, we just, it just, things morph. And then we have to build systems that better allow people to achieve the results they're trying it's to like achieve. It's like you had the tiger by the tail. 
It just kept growing and growing. It kept growing and kept growing. And all the guys that you know, were our early competitors, we put out of business. And, and you know, not not because we wanted not to. Not intentionally, but just because you were better. We just had a lot better technology. And and by the way, that we had this, this secret that nobody else did. We really tried to take care of our customers. And, you know, this whole thing, customer's always right. You know, we, we said it axiom. You know, the customer is our most important asset. You know, the customer is king. We just delivered that. We do the same thing in our at First Orion now. It's we, we call it client intimate relationships. Client and I mean intimate, intimate relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it's I a like client that. intimate relationship. By that I mean, you know, I don't necessarily have to be your guest best friend, but I got to be the person you trust as much as anybody else in your own company. Too many uh, publicly <clears throat> traded companies have put the shareholders first. Uh, and oh. have, I think they've messed up. I think the well, stockholders, I think the, even it, small, yeah, even small I think it's companies. the customers, the employees, and then the shareholders, in my opinion. Yeah. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Charles Morgan, founder of Axiom, and it's, and was its CEO from 1972 to 2008. We'll find out why he left and talk about the books he's written. He's written two, his latest one titled what now and we're going to find out what he thinks the next big wave might be and if we have time we're going to talk a little bit more about his hobby race car driving (laughs) (laughs) we'll be back right after the break you're listening to up in your business with carrie mccoy a production of flagandbanner.com over 40 years ago with only 400 dollars carrie founded arkansas flag and banner During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, flagandbanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Stay up to date by joining flagandbanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, or you may simply like flagandbanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you, Gray. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Charles Morgan, founder, chairman, and CEO of Axiom from 1972 to 2008, and current CEO of his newest company, First, First Orion. Orion. <clears throat> Let's talk about the names Axiom is a great name and it means true yeah to be a true. truth a, a truth. truth you spelled a it a little absolute. different was that yeah. your idea to name it axiom well it no it wasn't actually uh we hired an ad agency why do all we presidents hired, of companies give the credit away to somebody else you know i you know what that kind of stuff is not you know i have a lot of people that work for me who are good at it and so you hey, really my, didn't I, name it somebody else no, named li- it look one of, the, I, I, one of the first products that uh, I gave a name to at Axiom was called Demo Dupe. So you see why they oh, don't. Oh, yeah. You see why they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it sounds was, like a body that, function. That, I don't that, like that at all. <laughs> that, that was the other, the other one. The other one that uh, uh, I named was the List Order Fulfillment System. Oh, yeah, it bores me to death. Axiom <laughs> is the best name. I love that so name. There, and I there, love your new st- name. There's actually a story behind it real quickly. Okay. I'll tell right, you, sure. we, we, we fought among ourselves about what – we had actually changed our name three times, and, it, you know, and, and for all these crazy reasons, we became 
we were we came you know uh uh ccx no we came conway communication change then we came ccx then we came ccx network and and the last time we changed our name, it turns out there was another company called CCS Network. We'd already changed our name a, week, a month into it. And I'm coming back on an airplane from New York, and I'm saying CCX Network announces quarterly earnings. I'm reading it's our same name. I'm going like, oh, my God. And so we went back. I said, we're going to get another name. Yeah. And, 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 and we went to an agency. They brought us 10 names. We all went. They threw up on them and said, that is really awful. And they they called us back in a week and say we're gonna can we try again, and uh, we said yeah one more time that's it and we threw them out we said forget it yeah. you know and they came back and they did their little flip thing instead of having ten names they had one it was axiom and everybody said that's it absolutely <clears throat> it means a statement which is C- regarded C- as being true. I know you you added a C. Yeah, because ACA. Remember, we were CCX, ACX. Oh, Oh, it worked so beautifully. It did. A statement which is regarded as being true. true, And that's what you did. You gave true data. A a truth or law or, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Did, um, you had originally 25 people. You grew it to 7,000 people. All over the world, 14 countries. I read where you mm-hmm. said there were not enough DB employees, database right. employees in database. Arkansas, and right. that you had to set up a training program. So right. you would take these people who graduated from college with a computer some science not even, degree. Some of them not even, a lot of them computer science degree. A lot of them, they were just, you know, they had been doing technical work and had the aptitude for it. But most of them were college graduates, at least two years. How most many people do you think you made millionaires? Uh, we done quite a few it <clears throat> that's actually one of my other goals i kind of set it out for myself is uh you know if i can make a millionaire then you know and it's a good person and i know they'll it'll, it'll make them happy and their family happy i'm i feel it's kind of one of my and I, I just told somebody last week i said i kind of count my success at how many millionaires i can help find because as I told several people, you know, I really, if I make any more money, it won't matter because I, I, you know, I hate to do it, but I've got a house in Mexico and I've got a nice condo in Little Rock and I've got an airplane. What in the hell else do I need? Can't spend it fast enough. I don't need it. I can't. I said, what am I going to do? Buy a bigger airplane? Or, well, you, you know? almost lost it all, though. Oh, yeah. We have it several times along the route. That is the sign of a true (laughs) entrepreneur. Up and down, up and down. So Not that many up and downs, but I've had some, you know, there were a couple. Some big ones. Well, even in the Axiom days, we had a, you know, we invested some stuff and leveraged up. At the same time, the Axiom had a terrible crash and. uh, All of a sudden, the banks are calling and, you know, we we were, we were leveraged up to the gills. you said though that if a somewhere I read you said that if a if you're if the leader of the company is not looking to the future and investing in right. the future that they're not going to be in business for very long. That's right. So so, so you were doing that, but occasionally yeah. it sounds like the risk and in, and in bet into the future was not always. Um, it did not always work out perfectly, but you no, still no, have to be does. do it. It never does. I mean the. Every company has a lot of twists and turns. You can you can have the greatest entrepreneurial idea in the world, and you can decide you're gonna you're gonna do banners, and it turns out flags are a better business. Yeah, yeah. here's your quote: A leader's job mm-hmm. 
is to keep one keep one eye on the future yeah. and invest in the future. An organization stuck in yeah. the present is doomed to be left in the past. And, and and that's exactly what happens when large companies build their big bureaucracies up because it's a, a whole culture that is around, you know, making your business plan, achieving enough level of success so that you keep your job and you get promoted. And and that is true in so many larger companies. That is so uncreative, though. I know. Well, that's... But it's such a great advantage for a company to be creative. And and to be completely frank with you, one of my frustrations in, you know, with Axiom was when it gets to be 7,000 people, I said it's like herding cats. You know, now you have to deal with board members and, and Sarbanes-Oxley and the accountants and the lawyers and to send, you know, uh, shareholder lawsuits and proxy battles and just, you know, all the CRAP you have to deal with. CRAP. <laughs> you mean crap? Did he say crap? Or did he spell carp? <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> so you were there thirty five years. You were yeah. the uh, you were the CEO and then you were the chair. So you're the founder no, the CEO. I, was, the, I stayed CEO the whole time, really. And you kind of were into a forced retirement. Yeah, it, I, that's that's pretty upsetting. Yeah, that's your uh, baby. Well, I, uh, you know, we had a. Uh, it was after two thousand, uh, you know, seven. We had the huge financial crisis, and we were in the middle of a go private transaction. And go the, private. Yeah, we were taking. We were going to. We had a PE deal. We were taking the company private in two thousand seven, and that's when the financial crisis occurred. So we already had the the committed finances. My goal at the time we went private was to get it private, and I was planning on retiring. I already moved to Dallas uh, to you know for a tax haven, effectively. Mm-hmm. No for, income tax, no state t- income yeah, tax there. Uh, and I was going to live down there for a while, which we did for five years, or off and on for five years. But it was not uh, a fun time as this thing blew up. The banks couldn't fund it, and we'd been having a proxy battle before that. And I'd brought in the guy who ran the PE firm that in, embarked on the proxy battle against us. And you brought the in, guy. You brought the enemy into the camp. I, I, well, you is know that what? the way to say you it? You know what? It, it, it is. But you know, he came to me. And the head of the firm came to me and said, "Flew into Little Rock, and I met in Bill Dillard's hangar with him privately, a big secret meeting, and he said, you beat me.'" You beat me, and I, my career is destroyed if I can't save a little face. And I let him in. Uh, you know, the guy came, flew in, begged me to. Uh, he said, "I'll give up all claims, everything. Let me come on your board for six months, and then I'll just you know resign it for six months." Well, he lied about that. You know, as Got on the board he, and began to undermine start, the, the yeah, culture he, of the board probably. Well, he undermined the culture, and he, he started bringing in, influence the board to bring in some other outside, you know, you know, consultants. Uh, anyhow, so the, the you know, long, long story short is, uh, I, you know, I, quite honestly, I was, I wasn't, you know, I was not in the mood to put up a lot of CRAP again. And Carp. so we got no, we got kidding. in a we got in a bit of a fight, and he actually fomented a, a palace coup on me. 
And uh, what the heck? Yeah, and it was ah. Oh, so you 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 were into forced retirement. Yeah, and, it was and, ugly. You have a big heart. Anybody that knows you, you are an uh, open book. You took this guy in. You let him on the board. They let me hire my replacement though. Oh. Did you like that? They brought me three candidates and said, we can't figure out who to pick. Three bad ones. Uh, You know, I thought I'd taken the least of the three evils. Turned out to be the most evil of the three. So now you're in this company that, oh my gosh, the time's flying. So now we're in this company that you're out of this company that's your baby. You've got to be depressed. Well, I I think I I was lost a little bit. I would have been so lost. I think think when you've been doing something and it's been all-consuming for so many years, but... You're living in Dallas. You're lost. You know, by this time, I had accumulated some some amount of wealth, and so I wouldn't worry about living. uh, But I decided that, you know, since I like data, there's a lot of data related to investing, so I was going to learn how to invest. I was... Still doing my race car driving, and I was also owned a race car team. And yeah, but you don't make money at those. Oh Lord, no! You spend all. That's how you make a small fortune from a large fortune as you race. That's right. Let me tell everybody, in case they're just tuning in, that you're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with author, visionary, and risk taker, Mr. Charles Morgan, founder of Axiom. So now you're in Dallas trying to figure out what you're going to do, and you hear about this company. Yeah, first and I, I invest. Orion. I invest in First Orion. It's kind of, you know, here I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like. I'm going to do investments, and this business was, an, it was it it wasn't even you know smartphones yet. It was investing in telephone networks and helping people block unwanted callers. And it's for landlines, I guess. Landlines, because there weren't any cell phones there, and really much in 2008. Please, no, oh, ma'am, not much. Not like today. No, there was no, very few, relatively few cell phones. I mean, relatively smartphones few. probably. Well, there weren't any smartphones. I in mean, in two thousand and eight. Well, there, there were these big old, you know, these clunky big old thing. clunky big, and right. flip phones and stuff. We were not very much into uh, cell phones, and <clears throat> so okay. So, you're... so anyhow, uh, uh, I, I invested as minority shareholder, and I wasn't mm-hmm. even planning on to run it. But I knew if I was going to invest in, I wanted one of my guys to be in in it in a key figure. So, uh, I. Uh, put a, a trusted Axiom uh, guy who left the company by that time, Jeff Jeff Stallmaker, into that into that role, and Jeff uh, was in Conway, and we had an office in Conway, and the, the actual the main guy that made me you know got me into this thing was in Boston, and so he wanted an office in Boston, so here we are, a company with like four employees, two. One in Boston and three in Conway, Arkansas. And you in Dallas. And and me in Dallas. But I wasn't really, in the first six or eight months, I wasn't really involved in the company at all. I said they had milestones, and I'd put $1 million in it, and I was going to put another million in it if they achieved certain milestones. They achieved none of the milestones, but they still wanted the other million. I said no. And you know, I loaned them some money, and one thing led to another. They achieved no milestones ever. But Jeff had been doing some skunk works, and he and his guys had come up. Some what with kind of work? Skunk works. That's where you're doing stuff that is kind of not officially sanctioned by the, you know, oh, okay. by the by the owner then, uh, or the 
CEO at that time. Research. Let's call it research. Yeah, it was research. It's 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 private research, not okay. company sponsored. Okay. Basically, right. you know, it might have been funded by the company essentially. But anyhow, they were they they said, why don't we do this with smartphones and put a blocking application on a BlackBerry, which they did, and it worked, and it you know quickly became popular with people that wanted block calls like debt collectors or mm-hmm. angry ex-girlfriends <laughs> or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I ended up uh, getting the other guy out of it. That's a long story. We could spend an hour talking about that. You are so, you've got so many stories. So, that, so many sagas there. But anyhow, I am in control of the business by 2010. But I didn't, um, you know, I became active, pretty active uh, uh, in in 2012 because the company just wasn't getting there. It was spending a lot of money and wasn't getting there. Your money. And by this time, I had not one million, not two million, but about three or four million in it uh, by late 2000 or by 2012. So four years on a startup and you're still losing money. Yeah, losing my lot. And so the first quarter of 2013, uh, you know, we made some investments that turned out bad. We lost about 500,000. And I said, no, I said, we're spending too much of my money. I'm, it's starting to get so, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking over their shoulder all the time. I'm mm-hmm. saying, oh, I don't like this. I said, you can't. You either let somebody run a company or you run it. And I said, I got to run it. So uh, I, I effectively took over from Jeff. It was, it ended up, it's, it's a long story. Jeff was, it was the stress of him about put him under. And so I, I, t- I actually told Jeff, take a month off and get his life back together. And I'll run the company and I'll be, I'll keep running it. When you come back, but yeah, I said you're not fired. He's no, I didn't. There was no intention to fire him. Right, he and was so, doing the best he could. He was, and it almost killed him. The stress of it. And the startup people need to realize startup oh. businesses. You just got to change positions oh. all the time. You got to uh, look at something, uh, go, this uh, is not working, go and, of it. And, and you move. also have to get people in a small company to believe. And yes, you do. They have to trust you. And Thank I walked you. in. I walked in that day that I took over and I made a little speech and I said, this company is going to make money by November, six months from now. We're going to make money. And I said, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to grow revenue this way and we're going to cut expenses. And, you know, we, there will be, you know, some pain to go around and uh, there will be some people that will have to leave. And there'll be some people that have to take sour cuts. But when we do all this, the people that are remain, I will make up the lost uh, money and, and, you know, times two, which we have by at least more than that. And, you know, the company will be, will make money from that point forward, which it did and it has. <clears throat> I love that. One of the three reasons I think people, uh, believe in you and trust you is because you lay it out in really uh, um, easy to understand for a really smart guy with a big head you can really talk straightforward to people about the way you just said that it, it's just being honest it's, it's really easy your honesty is so deep 
it's even in the way you have a conversation with people because you cuss and don't make any excuses for it. I love the frankness of you because some people try to kind of hide who they are. You don't hide who you are to anybody. You don't do that. I don't think anybody's confused where I'm coming from. Ever. And I think that builds trust. I think it builds followers because they trust you exactly like you said. They trust you. I, I one time I one time was having a meeting with a CEO of a company as big as we were at Axe and this was you know, we were about a billion dollar company and he was, you know, three quarters of a billion dollar company. And uh we'd been negotiating for about a day and I and I and I finally said, Dude, this is BS. Yeah. You're you are and I have to say this on the rent, you are an asshole. <laughs> And I, said, and I said, I said, we're never going to be able to work with you. But you know what? We were in Cabo St. Lucas. I said, I'll tell you what let's do. Why don't we go out and drink whiskey together and just, and just BS and have a nice time tonight and then go home tomorrow. And by the way, his top lieutenant has worked for me almost ever since. He quit him and came work for me. It's that frank honestness. Well, I'm going to change your name from Charles to Frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you were a little bit naive when you started. I kind of oh. figured that. And then, like you said, it took four years. You finally had to get in there. I think you're really enjoying it, though, aren't you? Oh, my God. This company is going to be. It's We're, we're doing the same thing we did at Axiom, but, you know, I learned so much. And I'm taking all those learnings, and I am trying to correct them to the greatest degree I can. And I still make a lot of mistakes, as do companies do. But we have shortcut so many things we should have done at Axiom when we were small. We've already done them. The training programs and the, you know, the hiring programs and the culture, the whole culture development of the program uh, for everybody and this whole client intimate thing that we're doing with our client, client intimate. T T-Mobile loves us. We are now doing things at T-Mobile. We're, we're going to know more about how T-Mobile's network runs than they do. It's crazy. You said, I uh, love the process of building a team, setting up a strategy, and solving problems. More specifically, yeah. solving problems with other people. That's right. We talk about solving problems yeah. with other people. You are 80 million people you're solving problems for. So That's you wrote right. a book because you've learned so much. You just wrote a book called uh, Now What? Now What? Yeah, what is Now What? What's the next big thing? Well, you know? You know, it's What's really it? interesting, mm -hmm. but the real next big thing is the thing that we're working on right now. You know us for scam calls, but nobody answers their phone right now because they don't know who's calling. And even if we get rid of scam calls, people are not used to answering the phone, but if, if your phone lights up, the whole screen lights up and said, this is a certified call from your bank, America or American Express, you will answer that call. So you call. want to do caller ID? That's basically it's, it's, caller it's, ID it, for everybody? It, 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 but it's a caller ID that is why they are calling. If you're getting a, a call from Home Depot, wouldn't it really be nice if it says, your Home Depot uh, delivery man is calling are you there for me? And the whole thing's on the front screen. It's a message, sends you a message. And all you have to do is say, yes, I'm, you know, I'm ready. Well, aren't they doing that with text right now? I mean, we are doing that no, with, with the call. No, no, with the, no, with the call, the call comes. People don't answer text for hours sometimes. Oh, I see what you're and, saying. Because they ask you, you want to call, you want to text, and I'll leave, I want to text. Yeah, that's fine. You want to text, but if you don't see your text and... The the uh, the thing is, 
there are so many things that are immediate. It's like if you if your if your account has been compromised at the bank and they want to see if that's a you know a, a real charge, they, they they start calling you, texting you, and emailing you. It wouldn't really be nice if you know they could just light your screen up and say, guess what? Did you make this charge at you know at Lowe's mm-hmm. at Lowe's? And you'd say yes. Why'd you write this book? What's now? Now what? Why'd now, you write that book? Why'd you I, write that you book? You know, but I, I think because a lot of people have asked me about the same thing they ask you. you how know, do you do it? How to do it. I want to open a pie shop. How do I, I do wanna, it? Exactly. I want to open a pie shop, and I'm really interested in what you're doing. And I'm, So it's a teaching book. Yeah, and the first one was, too, if you read it. it's It was an autobiography, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, this same David Pryor talked to me that I was talking about earlier, the former senator of Arkansas, said that book ought to be required reading for every graduate of every business school in Arkansas. I look forward and to reading Because it's, it really, that was the intent when we set forth, it was going to be talking about my life and all exciting stuff. It was, it was the story of building a business and the stories of are you trying uh, to teach people to take risks, or what are you trying to teach no, them? No, I think calculated risk. I want you to risk, but I want you to take very calculated risk. Don't bet the farm. You did. You no, have. I did. I've tried to calculate my risk, but occasionally you get over your skis a little too far. And when you get over your skis a little too far, and things around you are circumstances like a, you know, a recession or a financial crisis or something that's out of your control might come along but they didn't take me down they just got me you know one of the things that i think i ask everybody when they call me and they ask me for business advice which is one of the reasons i started this radio show Mm -hmm. is to to pay forward kind of what we've been talking about today is i say let's go ahead and jump to the worst case scenario yeah and if you and you and tell me what you think the worst thing is that could happen out of your risk you're about to take and when they tell me yeah. And I say, can you live with that? Yeah. And if they say yes, then I say, go, go ahead, jump. I, I, I say, don't ever do anything. If you're doing something, you know, seriously entrepreneurial, don't get so deep into it that it's going to ruin your life. In other words, if you, you could afford to lose this money, you can afford to lose the relationships that you might lose if you get all your family and friends into something then go ahead, but assume it's going to fail or assume, you know, look terrible. At the, look at the worst case scenario. The, I always do that. Yeah, and, and often people go, well, that'll never happen. I say, well, you know, you know we've had a Great Depression and, you know, you, you might have a tornado come through. You might have, you know, another, you know, uh, economic upset you know you could be in california have an earthquake and takes your building out you know i hope you'll come back and talk to me i'd love to talk to you about technology in the future which we've been doing today but about health care about cloning about ecology i bet you read i'm going to get time. stem cells you are in panama city panama yeah not My in wife. the united states can't it's illegal for your spine huh for your spine no it's just general health and longevity Makes you makes you makes old people younger. I'm really 106. <laughs> you look 60. 
Your spirit is so, your life force is that, so strong. That helps everybody scared because when I come back from a stem cell treatment, they go, oh boy, here he goes again. I cannot so. imagine how much energy and how, I want to, will you come have lunch with me? Sure. Or I, come I, back yeah. on the radio yeah, or do yeah. something. Yeah. I've just got to see you someplace that okay. when you get back. I want to, I've got to hurt. Yeah. I want to hear all about it because I want to do it. It's our third time. So. Third so time? It's, it's cured my wife's rheumatoid arthritis. I read she had, yeah. is that how she did that? Yeah. And, and, and she's had some extenuating circumstances. One reason we're going back is for her rheumatoid arthritis. I love that story. Yeah, you're going to have to come back on. To, we're going to talk yeah. about health care. Thank you for coming on. Here's your gift. Thanks. Guess oh. what that is? It's a desk set with the U.S. flag and Arkansas Thank flag. That's, That's a race car. That's, Those, there you go. End of race. That's for me. Well, first lap, end of race. What's the other one, Gray? Uh, White flag, second, second to end. That's, That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second to last, last, last lap. Yeah. Last yeah. lap. Yeah, he knew. All right. Thank you again for coming to see me. I want to tell everybody and I want to tell our listeners who, uh, if you might have a great entrepreneurial story that you'd like to share, send a brief bio and your contact info to me and someone will be in touch. Thank you to everyone for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.